what's so cool to hear a story uh, like David's and to know that it's one of uh, many stories here at Soul City Church where we are stepping out in very real faith and trusting God with all of who we are. We sang about that earlier, uh, but that's a snapshot of what that looks like for someone to really say, you know, look, I may not have a, a ton of resources or by the world standards, but you know, what I have, I want to make fully available to God for whatever he wants to do. And I've been, we have been as a leadership team here at the church, so thoroughly impressed with how seriously our church has taken uh, our financial responsibility, what it means to do well with what God has entrusted to us. And it's been really fun to watch in lots of different creative ways, the responses to homework and all that kind of stuff. Last week, if you were here, you know this. If, if you weren't, I'll just fill you in. Last week, we laid down a challenge. We, last week, we talked about uh, the power that debt has in our lives. And we talked about what it would look like to put debt to death. And that we explored this idea that's in the Bible that we are literally, anytime we go into debt, we become a slave to that lender. We sort of give ourselves to that credit card company and say, you know what to do with my resources better than I do. And so we looked at this one big word last week that God had given us, uh, and that was the word no. And we all said it like a bunch of two-year-olds here last week. And we looked at our credit cards and we said, no. And it was a really powerful moment. Well, at the end of the service, we said, look, if you are in any way indebted to or enslaved to a credit card and you want to take the first couple steps of freedom, why don't you come up here as an act of worship and let's cut our credit cards up together. So that was a very big risk. Here's what I love about our church. Not only to see the way that uh, different folks from our community responded to that, but Allie uh, Nelson, who's an artist in our community, took those credit cards and made uh, this beautiful mosaic out of it. Isn't that cool? And so she took her creative gifts and took all your cut-up credit cards. I know what you're thinking. Can we still see your numbers? Uh, no. No, I kept those. Um, <laughs> gave Allie the rest. But I think this is a pretty powerful picture of what God's inviting us into. He's created you to be, and the word that she put at the bottom there is free. He has created you to be free. And so we'll put this up at the cafe and have it up on our wall as another one of our art installments so that we can all be reminded of exactly what it is that God has created us for. Because as we said all the way through this Money Wise series, when it comes to our resources, despite our initial surface level fears about God, God is not trying to get something from you, but rather he has something, what? For you. God's not trying to get something from you. It's already his to begin with. Rather, God actually has something for you, and it's freedom, and it's life to the fullest, and it's a way of leveraging the resources he's given you to take care of yourself, your family, take care of others, and move the work of God forward in this city and around the world. And so what we're going to be looking at tonight, I am very excited to get into. We're going to be looking at a passage of scripture in a little bit that I, I think is so ripe and rich, full of challenge and encouragement for our lives when it comes to this last, what I believe is a stronghold or holdout for many of us who would call ourselves Christians, and that's the idea of giving. What we're going to be looking at tonight is how is it that we respond to God in gratitude by giving to him. So we're going to dive into God's word together here in a bit. And then we're going to have another challenge at the end that may be, for many of us, the first step and a very big step in us really choosing to trust God, to put our money, for lack of a better word, where our mouth is, and say, God, I believe this is all yours, and I want to give back to you in a spirit of gratitude. So I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity to get into that together tonight. As we get into that, I want to help wrap your mind around this concept of giving, because I know there's a lot of 
kind of fear, and there can be a lot of guilt around this topic. So let's sort of wrap it around a metaphor that might help us better understand the heart of God and what he's created us for when it comes to the resources he's entrusted to us. I want you to think about the last time you wrote a thank you note. And I mean like pen to paper, not like a quick text with no vowels. I mean an actual thank you note where someone did something in your life for you or they gave something to you and you were so moved and compelled by that that you said, you know, I need to thank them. And so you wrote them a thank you note just like your mom taught you to do. I want you to think about the last time that you actually wrote. Can you even think of a time that you actually wrote a thank you note? Some of you are newlyweds and that seems like that's your full-time job is writing thank you notes. Some of you aren't newlyweds, but you gave yourself more than a year's grace. You gave yourself a decade's grace to write thank you notes. That's fine. So you can understand this concept. I remember uh, there was a very significant thank you note that I wrote. Now, that's something my mom would always, every birthday, I mean, it was like the biggest letdown after the birthday was having to sit down like that night and write all the thank you notes. But I remember one thank you note I wrote that literally, quite literally changed my life. I had visited here in Chicago. Some of you know the story of how Gene and I met. I grew up in San Francisco and had come out here to visit uh, many, many, many years ago and had met Jeannie on that trip. And we just both happened to have a down day where I didn't have anything to do that, that Saturday that I was here. It was the day before I left. She had some free time. So as a favor to a friend of hers who was a friend of mine, she showed me around the city of Chicago. But she did more than show me around the city of Chicago. Like it was one of those romantic comedy like montage pieces <laughs> set to soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, it, we did everything you could do in Chicago in a day, and it was so much fun. And this is the best part of the story. I didn't share this with any other services. This is the best part of the story. That night, she had a date scheduled with a guy that I grew up with, my friend, the friend of the friend. And as the last outing in our day, he worked at Water Tower Plaza, so we walked up there and went to the J Crew where he worked, and she said, Jeff, I have a great idea. What if Jarrett comes along with to dinner with us tonight? <laughs> so... He and I aren't friends anymore, but, um, <laughs> but the point is, the point is, at the end of that night, I was so thankful to Jeannie, and uh, I wrote her a, a thank you note, and I sat down to write her a thank you note, the, at the, I was staying at, uh, with a friend at the All Suites Omni Hotel, and so I sat down with a yellow pad of paper, and I began to write her out a thank you note, and that thank you note for showing me around the city of Chicago became a three-page letter where I very much poured my heart out and declared my intentions for her. Okay, I mean, this is pretty, yeah, it's got the word stalker written all over it. Um, But I was just so impressed by who she is and continue to be to this day, and so I had to tell her. So I started by saying, thanks so much for throwing me around the city. Did you know that you, and I just kind of like opened up and told her all the things I saw in her. Well, uh, guys, if you were ever wondering if you should write a thank you note, I highly recommend it. It worked out really well for me. Uh, So, you know, I want you to think about that last time you wrote a thank you note, because here's something that's really interesting. Uh, The gift that you were given that you responded to by writing that note for was not contingent on you writing that note. The gift that you were given was just that, a gift. And you could have received that gift and enjoyed that gift and have never written a thank you note and still moved on just fine in life. But there was something about receiving that gift that compelled you to respond and say, thank you. That compelled you, that moved you to say, hey, this was significant, this was meaningful, I want to thank you. That's why we write thank you notes, because we notice things that are out of the ordinary, and we say, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for who you are, whatever it may be. One of the things I love about our church is that we are big into writing handwritten notes. Many of you who have come for the first time, and if this is your first time this weekend, 
you will receive in the mail a handwritten note from one of our staff or one of our volunteers saying thank you for taking the time to be a part of what God's doing here at Soul City Church. First time that you give at Soul City Church, you give to God, you respond to the offering, which we'll receive at the end of the message. First time you give, you get a note, handwritten note saying, thank you so much for trusting God through the resources. You know what I love? Uh, our kids are a part of Soul City Kids, Elijah and Gigi, six and three years old. They each got notes this past week from their leaders at Soul City Kids. I'm telling you, they went right up on the wall. And that's not just because we're the pastors and they're our kids. Every kid gets a note from their leader just saying, here's who you are, and I just want to tell you about it. That's a beautiful thing. When you are moved to respond like that, that means that something meaningful and significant has happened. And so as we have a conversation about giving tonight, what it means to give back to God, I want you to keep that metaphor and that image of a thank you note in mind. Because giving back to God is really nothing more than a response of gratitude for his goodness in your life. Maybe you've heard it said before, it's a pretty famous quote. Samuel Cabot said that the worst thing for an atheist is when he or she feels grateful and has no one to thank. One of the worst things for a professed atheist is to feel a deep sense of profound gratitude and not know where to direct it to. And while you may not claim to be or call yourself an atheist, right, I think that quote, that idea has profound impact and implication on our lives. Because it raises the question, do I feel, am I grateful to God for all he's done in my life? How often do I stop and go, wait a second, wait a second, this isn't normal. Sure, I don't have all the things that I want, but I have way more than I need. Where does this come from? Oh, wait, this comes from a good and loving God. Do you feel grateful? And when you do, how do you respond? How do you respond to God's goodness in your life. How do you do it? There's lots of ways we do it. We sing songs here. That's one of the ways we do it. And that's just not, a, that's not something you do at a lot of other places in your life throughout the week, right? We just say, no, God, you are so good. We just want to tell you, and we're going to sing it, God. You're so good, we're going to sing it a song. It's going to be beautiful. We want to tell you, God, how good you are. Lots of times we do it when we pray. Maybe you pray before meals. There's not really a verse in the Bible that tells you to do that, but maybe you just grew up doing that. And for some of you, that I've seen the places you eat at, you need to pray a lot longer. <laughs> you pray before a meal. And we do that with our kids, and we, you want them to recognize this is a gift from God. This meal is a gift from God. This is not normal. A lot of places, in fact, most places in the world don't have this kind of access to this kind of food. And so we just, in a very simple way, at the end of the day, we pray with our kids. We have them thank God for one person in their day that day and one thing that day today. And we have them pray before meals. So Elijah prays at breakfast, Gigi prays at dinner, and lunch is a free-for-all. And so Gigi was praying last week at dinner. And again, it's a way to say thanks. So she starts, thank you, God, for our food. Thank you for mommy. Thank you for daddy. She starts going through the list. Thank you for Lygie. Thank you for Molly, our dog. And she kind of gets through a few things, few friends. She usually thanks God for Benny the bull. That makes it somewhere into her prayer from the bulls. (laughs) Very serious. And then she kind of gets through all her thank yous. And she goes, and dear God, I just pray that you don't die. Amen. <laughs> Both she and I look at each other, we're like, yeah, maybe Soul City Kids needs to up a little bit more. Like, uh, this is some serious theology we're getting into. And of course, her brother, the firstborn, is like, Gigi, God can't die. And he kind of like explains it to her. Like, the whole beautiful moment was shot right there. But lots of times, one of the ways we write a thank you note to God is through our prayers. And maybe if, maybe if you don't know what to pray, one of the best words for you to start with is thank you, God. You just start with those words and see where God leads you. Thank you, God, for. 
We do it with song. We do it with prayer. We do it with our actions, our choices. You know, whether you realize it or not, the choices you make, the way you treat people, the way you interact with people, your friends, your family, the people that are strangers to you in the street or at work or wherever it may be, is a real barometer of the gratitude level in your life. How you see and treat others. It really matters. And it's a way for you to respond to God out of gratitude, as well as this idea of giving back to God your resources. This is a very biblical and spiritual transaction. Many of us get hung up on the concept of it being a financial transaction. It's not really a financial transaction. It is a faith, spiritual, and I believe transformational transaction that we have with God. It is one of the greatest opportunities for our growth is to say thank you to God and give back to him what he's given to us. And at the same time, it has some of the greatest resistance in our lives, one of the greatest obstacles to us moving, like we talked about, from being practical atheists when it comes to our finances. There are many Christians who have loved God for a very long time, but this is the one they can't get past. This is the one they can't get through. They just don't have it in them or have a desire to or know how to respond to God with gratitude through giving back to him. And so Christians can kind of wrap this thing. And if you're not a Christian, you're kind of checking this thing out. This is a great week for you because you can kind of sit and watch in a little bit and kind of determine what you think of this. But for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we come up with an amazing amount of excuses or rationalizations or resistance to actually giving back to God. Many Christians will say, well, you know, I mean, if you're talking about the tithe, I mean, that's really under the Old Testament covenant. This doesn't really apply to today. So you can kind of go and do the theology route, and we can talk that. We can do that. We're going to talk about the tithe here in a little bit. We can do that. Many Christians go, well, I'm not exactly sure if God wants me to give on the net or on the gross. And sounds like, really? <laughs> really? That's what's holding you back right now? I bet we can settle this. Or, you know, maybe some of you are like, what if my bracket does really well this month? Am I supposed to tithe on that? Like, I know that there's... <laughs> There are lots of legitimate questions and how all of this works. But you know what I found? I found when it comes to giving back to God, there are generally, now I'm talking about Christians now, okay? There are generally three types of people. And my hunch is every one of us in this room falls into one of these three camps. When it comes to giving back to God with a grateful heart for his goodness and provision in your life, I think that they're the first group is those who would call themselves givers. And you just get it. You are a regular giver to God. You give back a portion of what he's given to you. You know what's true of givers? They do it consistently. They give to God consistently. It's not sort of an emotional thing per se. It's not just what they're feeling in the moment or dependent on their context or when they have a windfall. They faithfully, regularly, consistently give to God because they know what that does to their heart. They know what that does to the grip on their stuff. They do it joyfully. They love to give. In fact, of most people I know who would put themselves in the giver's category, it is something that's actually growing inside them. And this crazy thing begins to happen where they want to give more and more and more to God. They take great delight in giving to God and being a blessing to him and to others through their resources. They're consistent. They're joyful. They're constantly growing in their giving. And I just want to tell you, to those of you who are in this camp at Soul City Church, we are so grateful. And what I love about our church is there are folks who, according to our scales, give a ton on the financial scale, those who give little. But we know, we know, we know everyone who is a consistent giver and gives back to God, that comes from a very real story, very real reality in your life. And the fact that you would say, no, I choose to bless God as he has been a blessing to me, we are so blown away by that at Soul City Church. 
And it has made so many things that we do at a church, as our church, possible. That faithful little gift, seemingly little gift, in the, a drop in the bucket, has such huge implications that you don't even realize. And so for those of you who would put yourself in the giver's camp, I want to raise the bar just a little bit. Now, if you know, if you've been in around Soul City Church, if not, you'll see it in a little bit. We pass blue buckets down to receive our offering as part of our worship every week. We give in this room. Now, many of us give online. Many of the folks who would call themselves givers give online. But we do it as part of our worship because we need to be reminded of God's goodness and the opportunity for our growth that comes from giving. And so we pass the blue buckets down. And there's nothing special about blue buckets. Why blue buckets? Because that was, that was on sale that week. Like, that's just, there's nothing significant. We just pass the buckets and we say, look, this is an opportunity for us to grow. Well, I want to raise the bar a little bit. There's a church down in Texas, like a lot of churches, maybe a church you grew up in, where uh, they receive the offering by coming up to the front and placing it in the front. It's a part of worship. And people literally line up and come and drop their gift. And there's a guy at this one church in Texas called Brother Franklin. And it is his joy to give to God. And so for those of you who consider yourselves consistent givers, I want you to watch this video and consider how you might up the ante. That's right. It's not over. It's not over till he dives. You got to love that. So this is what I love about Brother Franklin. There are a ton of videos on YouTube about Brother Franklin. He has his own fan page on Facebook. That is a cheerful giver, as we're going to look at here in a little bit. And so for those of you who put yourselves in the giver's camp, the bar has been set. <laughs> Brother Franklin has set the bar for you. There's some serious popping and locking that needs to be done today <laughs> when we give, all right? So listen, that's, that's the first game. When it comes to those who, who really respond to God out of gratitude for his goodness in their life, there are givers. Then there's another group, and this is one of the largest groups that tends to be in churches. They're called tippers. And so there's givers who joyfully, faithfully, consistently give, and they're growing and they're giving. God is stretching and growing and blessing their heart as they give. And then there's the, the next group, which is tippers. And they, have well, they are well-intentioned people. They love God, and they're moved in the moment to give to God. Their only constraint is what happens to be in their pocket. And so what happens is lots of times you'll see folks kind of reach in and just grab, and maybe this is you, right? Maybe you didn't, this is how you were raised or sort of what you thought, but you kind of reach and whatever you have on you, you throw into the bucket and you give God a tip as if to say, boy, God, way to go. Go get yourself something nice. You know, it's, I mean, if you think about it, the heart is right. The heart is right, but the discipline is off. And there's a, there's a response, a very real emotional response, and it's beautiful, and it's a great place to start. But there maybe is lacking some responsibility before that response. And I believe for those of us who are givers in this room tonight or who are watching online, I think God is calling us and stirring each of us to grow more in our giving, to give more back to God. And for those of us who would call ourselves tippers, maybe that's just that's how you thought it was supposed to work. That's what you saw or that's what you grew up with. I believe God's inviting you to become a consistent, joyful, faithful giver. There's givers, there's tippers, and then there's the last group, which is grippers. And they hold on to their money pretty tight. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I don't know your story. Uh, maybe you grew up without a lot of resources and you've had to work really, really, really hard to get here. And letting go of that doesn't come easy to you. Or maybe you just never knew that that was a part of your growth and an opportunity that God has given you to trust him more is to release your resource and say, God, I trust you and give back a portion to you. And so you hold on tight. 
Maybe for you, it, you have a genuine heart of gratitude towards God, but it is clouded over by your own sense of cynicism toward, and skepticism towards the church. And so there's a desire deep in there somewhere to give and to respond to God, but it is, it is so jaded because of maybe something you saw or grew up with or just a general distrust you have towards organizations like the church. And so what ends up happening is you end up holding on to your money very tightly. And it doesn't change God's love for you. It just changes your experience in this world with him. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. or It doesn't mean because if you're a tipper that you get in a better spot in heaven or a giver. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means that you're missing out on an opportunity for you to trust God even more and to grow in your relationship with him by releasing the grip of your stuff and the grip that it has on you. I think all of us, in a very real way, have that feeling that we want to give. We want to do good. Listen, there would not be half the nonprofits that we have in the world today if people didn't genuinely want to do something good with their lives. I think we all have that feeling. The problem comes when we fail to act on it. Act on it. We feel moved in a moment to give to God, but we fail to act on it. It's what we've talked about a lot on here. It's the, the line between desire and discipline. I desire to do this, but it means I actually have to do something. And push does come to shove in a very real way. And so what I want us to look at tonight is a passage that comes from uh, the Apostle Paul to a church not unlike ours that has that desire to give. Because if you have that desire, but maybe you don't have a track record of giving to God, or you never knew that you were, that's even part of what it means to have a relationship with God, or you've maybe been holding on for a little while or tipping for a little while, listen, you're, you're not the first person, and you're not the only person. This is not a unique phenomenon to you. This is something that goes back since the very beginning of the church. People who have a feeling to give but fail to act on it. And so we're going to look at a church that I think was not only going to encourage us but challenge us at the same time. And so if you would, would you grab one of the blue Bibles or maybe you brought your own Bible, you can grab that, pull it out because we're going to all dive into a passage together here found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's page 1170 in your blue Bible. Or that right? Yeah, 1170. 1070 in your blue Bible. So you can turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at this passage together about how Paul is speaking to a church in Corinth. Let me give you a little context to what's going on in this passage. Uh, this church was growing at a rapid rate. The church was growing at a rapid rate. We're now just a, a decade and a half, so two decades outside the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The church is now a global movement. And leading the global aspect of this expansion of God's work is the Apostle Paul. And so he would travel around to different churches and preach and stay with them for a number of months, even years, and then move on to help continue to fan the flame of the church that was growing around the world. He had been with the church at Corinth, which we're looking at. It's the letter that he wrote to them. And they'd had an opportunity to give, to fund some of the growth that the church was experiencing. And they were fired up to do it. But then push came to shove, and feelings gave way to failing and they missed their opportunity. And so Paul is saying, look, no, no, no. I believe that, I believe that what is inside your heart, that desire, is, is about God and is for God. And I want to help you respond to God in this way. In fact, he even talks about the church in Macedonia right before where we're going to read here. Now, this is a much smaller church in a more remote location, not, a, not as big of a city as Corinth. And in fact, the people at the church in Macedonia were greatly under-resourced, history tells us not have a lot of the wealth and opportunities that the church in Corinth had. And Paul is saying, look, just so you guys know, like, 
the Macedonians, the church of Macedonia, like they have responded so tremendously to what God is doing. And they don't have a ton, but they gave out of the fullness of their heart. It's Paul saying, I believe that's possible for you. I believe he's using not only those words to this church, but to our church as well. So let's jump in at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember, Paul is comparing the church of Macedonia to the church at Corinth. So he says this, look, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You ever heard that before, this concept, this principle? And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is not a new concept. This is like we've talked about before. There are principles that are just true. This is just one of those principles that's true. Saying, look, you kind of invest little into who God is as a response of gratitude into the work that God's doing. You sort of receive less. That's just a principle that's at work. Paul goes on to say, look, each of you should give. Now, this is very important. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Would you please underline that phrase, decided in your heart? I don't care. Like, I know that's not your Bible that you're holding right now. It's okay. You can underline it. It's okay. Someone else will read it later and be totally moved by your wisdom. So go ahead and and underline that decide in your heart because it's very, very, very important. What Paul is saying here is, look, that that, that word decided, if you're going to pull it back to the original language, means to deliberately determine. To decide in your heart means to you in private with God say, this is what I'm determining to give. God, how do you want me to respond to you? This is how I'm going to deliberately determine to give to you. He says, look, you and God, this is between you and God. I think we miss that sometimes. We think it's a financial transaction. We think it's a church deal. No, this is between you and God. You give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, like they were doing, the church of Corinth. They kind of held back and they weren't sure, kind of stand at the edge of the pool. He says, no, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, or being kind of heavy-handed, being forced or guilted into doing it. No, neither of those. Because God loves a what? Cheerful giver, like Brother Franklin. God loves a cheerful giver who gives out of a joyful sense of gratitude to him. And God is able, and this is really interesting. He says this phrase, and God is able. Now, let me just kind of pause right there. What he's saying with this next sentence is not, so if you do this, then this will happen. What Paul is saying here is, as you are doing this, this is what God is already doing. Paul's saying, look, as you are determining your heart what God is leading you to give and how you're going to respond to him, not out of reluctance, not out of compulsion, here's what you need to understand that God is already doing. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul's not pulling any punches here. Paul's saying, look, this is what God's doing. He is already blessing you so that all times and all things, you will all have, you'll have exactly what you need. And not only that, you will abound in the good works that God has called you to do as you respond to him in gratitude. This is a beautiful promise that is going on. It is on you to determine, decide in your heart how you're going to respond to God's gratitude. But his gift and blessing to you is not contingent on your response. It's not. And I think this is where the church can get a little sideways sometimes. Some churches can. Because the the reality is this. We don't give to God so that he will bless us. We give to God because he already has blessed us. That's what Paul's saying here. God is already blessing you. He is, and he is already blessing you. We don't give to God so that he will bless us. We give to God because he has already blessed us. 
And anytime you're a part of a church that's teaching, if you give God one, he'll give you 10, or you give him 10, he'll give you one, whatever the odds are at that church, like if you do this, then he will do that, is missing the point. The fact that you even have one to give or 10 to give is already a gift and blessing from God. And when we realize that, then our hearts are opened to be grateful and to respond to God. Verse 9, Paul says, as it's written, going back to Psalm 112, as it's written, they've scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. It means that they are, they are reaping, gen- or they're sowing generously. Most, in, the, in those days when you planted crops, you did it in a very single file line. You used the land well. To scatter seed is just to be generous with it. Paul's saying, going back to Psalm 112, they've scattered abroad their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And he says, this is what's interesting, similar to the verse we just read. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now there's a lot of agricultural and bready sort of metaphors there. What he's saying is, look, the ability that you have, the gift that you even have to give to God was actually already given to you by God. That's an amazing economy. That's the gift that keeps on giving. God says, look, I am already going to give it to you to give to me. And so what is so hard for you to let go of and give back to me, you need to realize I'm the one who provided you with it. And when we see our resources and our finances that way, it frees us to respond to God in gratitude. Because look what, look what he goes on to say here. You will be made rich in every way. Not made wealthy. You will be made rich. That means abundant, full, overflowing. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul's saying through this opportunity, you saying thanks to God by giving to him actually will lead to us saying thanks to God for you saying thanks to him. It's this beautiful thing. Only God can orchestrate this. That when you have a single solitary act where you determine in your heart how it is that you're going to give to God and you write that check or you sign up online and you give to God and you go, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. You really have to show up. This is going to take a miracle to carry me through this month. And you give to God out of gratitude by saying thanks, writing the thank you note to him. The work that God does with that little gift that you give, no matter what the size you think of it is financially, it is significant to God. It is significant to the work of God. It moves. God moves that about so much so that other people you may never know, who may never know that who you are or that you gave, are actually blessed by that gift that you gave and rise up to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that somewhere along the way someone said thank you to God. And I love the way we're seeing that happen in and through our church, that we're able to say thank you, God, for every single person of all kinds of different amounts and all that stuff, every single person who says thank you to God, it causes us to rise up in gratitude. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, and what God's saying, or what Paul's saying there is that this is not only supplying the needs of the church. At that time in this context, this gift is going straight to the work that the church is doing, but is also overflowing with many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, people will actually praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Friends, this is much bigger than just writing a check. This is much bigger than just throwing a couple bucks in the bucket. This is about a response to God out of gratitude in your heart to a God who has already given you 
everything. In fact, he is the same God who gave us his son, Jesus. What more, what more could we ask for or expect from God? He has spared no expense. And when we respond to him, it is an act of worship. It is an act of gratitude. It is a thank you note to God. And what's so amazing and so good about God, what we see through this passage and repeated all over the scripture, is that there are two things that are going on every time you and I respond to God's goodness with a gift of gratitude. Two things are going on. First is, giving is how I'm expressing my gratitude to God. I'm expressing my gratitude to God by doing this. But at the same time, it's how God expedites my growth. And for those of you who would call yourselves givers, my hunch is you know that as you have faithfully, consistently given to God, God has actually grown your heart, grown your awareness, grown your perspective on your stuff, on your resources, on what you can do with that and what God wants you to do with that. Is that not true? Those of you who give regularly, God is, in fact, here's the deal. I love this. Of all the people I know, of all the people I know, and I know, I love, I know a lot of people, of all the people I know who are givers, I have yet to meet a single one of them who regrets giving to God. Now, I regret a lot of financial decisions I've made in my life. I bought some dumb things. I've wasted money on different stupid things. It don't matter. And I know you have too. I know you have too. But I've yet to meet anyone who has consistently given to God who regrets that decision. I don't regret that decision. Because God is growing me, has grown, is growing me and Jeannie through our consistent giving of gratitude back to him. This is what we've seen in our own lives. When we started this church, we started it with very, very little resources. I mean, it really came down, you know, to us trusting God in ways we never had had to before. We'd never been this aware of our dependence on God before. And yet at the same time, we figured, you know what, if we're going to if we're going to do this, if we're going to trust God with the start of this church and, and literally kind of lay down, you know, sort of career paths and lay down all those kind of comforts and all those wonderful things, nothing bad at those things, why not just go all the way? And so we decided and we determined at that moment that we were going to actually, as we were making less than we'd ever made before in our lives, we would give more than we'd ever given before in our lives. I mean, we were really going, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? Like, we are really, we are going to give at a level we've never given, and we're going to give consistently. And there was something that God put in our heart in that moment, this would be several years back, many, several years back now, where we said, you know what, our goal is, and our plan is, and this is what we are working towards, we want to actually increase our tithe every year that we can to you, God. Because what we believe in our family, what we practice is we practice the, the tithe. And it's a, it's a biblical concept, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and I'll kind of break it down for you and then explain sort of what it means for us today. In the Old Testament, as the people of God were becoming the nation of God, God laid out a way of life for them, how they would be different from every other people on the earth. And God said, look, part of the deal is this. I know you're human because I, you know, I made you, and I know that you're going to forget. And I know that you're not only going to forget my goodness, but you're going to start taking credit for it. And so what I want you to do is I want you to consistently give the first and best 10% of your grain, of your livestock, of wealth, or whatever it may be, back to me. You give the first and best 10%. That's where that word tithe comes from. You've heard that word before. Tithe literally, now I'm not, 
expert mathematician, but this is literally what it means. It means that for every 10 you have, follow me now, stay with me, you give one back to God. Now, hopefully your 10s aren't as sweaty as these are. So for every 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you say, God, I give the first and best back to you. Before I pay bills, before I go, you know, kind of do this and do that, I want to give a percentage back to you. And the percentage that carried through the Old Testament, the people of God, the percentage of the tithe was 10%. And so Gene and I started by saying, look, that's what the Bible sort of consistently teaches. Although this, it's not mandated that that's what you give, but we see that consistently throughout the scriptures. We want to not only give 10%, we actually want to increase our giving and say, God, our plan is to, and our goal is to every year increase that by percent. We want to keep doing that because we have had friends who are uh, a little bit further along in life than us, who have gotten to a place where they now live off what they call the reverse tithe. And they live off of 10% of what God gives them. And they give back to God and away to others 90% of their income. They put their daughters through college. They have a great, nice house. It's fine. It's a great house. They've said no to a lot of things. They have been able to say yes to amazing things. Because they said, you know what, we're going to start with this concept of the tithe of 10%, and we're just going to consistently, consistently, consistently give back to God. And Gene and I have decided, and we believe Scripture teaches, that we give our tithe, our best and first 10%, to the work of the local church. It just so happens we really believe in the work of this church. But it's not just about this church. It's really not. We're not the only church in this city or in the world doing great work. We believe in what this church is doing, and so we give our first and best to God through this local church. Because I just want to let you give you a glimpse of why we believe that is so important. It doesn't have to be, like I said, you can give to another church, you can give to maybe a nonprofit you really believe in. Here's why we give to the church, though. Because I can't find another organization on this planet that cares for the whole person more than the local church. Local church is full of flaws. It's, it's broken. It's not perfect by any stretch. I just can't find another organization that cares for someone like the local church does, that cares for them emotionally, and cares for them spiritually, cares for them mentally, cares for them physically, cares about their life, cares about their career, cares about their finances, cares about their kids, cares about their marriages, cares about their families. I just can't find another organization that does that. This last week as a church, just in one week as a church, we had folks gathered here on a Saturday listening to Dave Ramsey's teaching about finances because we believe God actually cares about that. And so we provide space and we're able to to provide that as a church. We're providing this class that Tamara's teaching because we believe that matters. We care about that. At the same time, all throughout this building, all throughout this church, all throughout the week, small groups met in this place where people are committed to putting Jesus at the center of their lives and are committed to connecting to each other in real and transformative ways. My small group is one of those small groups. I'm a part of a group. I am literally blessed because folks have been faithful and said thank you to God and have given to this church. And so we're able to keep the lights on. We're able to actually have some cool couches where we can actually sit and have great coffee and talk about what it means to put God at the center of our lives. I rise up and say thank you, God, for every person who said thank you to God and given to this local church. In one week at this church, we literally this week, literally this week, 
have sat with folks who've gotten engaged or who are on their way to being married and doing premarital counseling and working as best we can to help them honor God with their marriage. And at the same time, this church is sitting with folks who are watching their marriages blow up in their face. And we care about every single one of those people. And we sit with the person in the middle who wonders if they'll ever be married. Who wonders if they'll ever find love again. I can't find another organization that cares for people at that level. I can't find another organization that cares for, literally over the last two weeks, celebrating the life and gift of life uh, to a couple in our church who just had a baby two weeks ago. And to watch how God is growing Soul City kids, like literally by new people. And I don't just mean new to our church, I mean new to earth. <laughs> like, see how God is growing. We celebrate. To watch what happened, all, like, our staffs are like, all these folks came around this family as part of our church and provided meals and has them covered. Has them covered. That's a beautiful thing. I also watched in the same week our church rally around one of our leaders here, a person who's a part of our church who received devastating health news. And to rally around her and say, how can we love and serve you? You find another organization on the planet that does that. And if you find it, give your resources to them. When the church is broken and it's flawed, but I can't find another place that cares about the whole person, that cares about you, that cares about people who don't even care about God, that cares about the neighborhood, that cares about Brown Elementary School, that cares about the under-resourced and overlooked of this city through breakthrough and other organizations that we're partnered with. I just can't find another place. We can't find another place. And so we say thank you to God by giving our first and best to the local church. And it has grown our hearts. And it has stretched us in ways that very few other things in our lives have. As I said in the beginning, I believe this is one of our greatest opportunities for growth. And I think it's one of the greatest holdouts and strongholds that we have. And I also believe that God is inviting every single one of us who calls ourselves followers of him into the adventure of writing a thank you note to God with our resources. Whether you think you have a lot or not enough, it makes no difference. Whether you think, oh man, you don't understand, God, you know, you gotta understand this is tough, God, I got all these things I gotta work out, and I gotta figure this out, God, and I gotta pay rent, and we, we sort of talk to God like he's a fifth grader when it comes to our resources, and God goes, no, 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 I know. I'm the one who blessed you with those resources in the first place. And I'm inviting you to do something with them far more significant. I believe God is inviting us to be a percentage giver. It gives back the percentage to him. Now, we choose to give to the tithe. It doesn't have to be that. I think the point is that it is a percentage, though. That you say, okay, God, I'm going to determine my heart, whether it's 2%, 5%, 10%, 25%. God, I'm determined to give this amount, regardless of my context, Regardless of my circumstance, I choose to give. God, I only make $2,000 a month. That's all I make. But I'm committed to giving this percentage to you. The reason I believe that Bible teaches about giving a percentage to God as opposed to a dollar amount is because our context changes all the time. $100 when you're making $400 a week is a lot of money. But when you're making thousands and thousands of dollars, that $100 means a lot less. So we give a percentage. And I honestly think God is inviting you to give a percentage of your resources as a gift back to him between you and him. And here's the deal. All of us, I shouldn't say all of us, most of us, a lot of us 
are already percentage givers. It's just not to God. You already give a percentage of your income to Visa, to American Express, to Discover, to car loans, to school loans. You already know how to be a percentage giver. God's inviting you into something much greater than that that brings a whole lot more joy than that. When you give to the work that God is doing out of a sense of gratitude to him. In fact, there's this beautiful challenge that God gives in Malachi 3. It's this little verse, and the context in is in this people who had been taught by God to give to him through a tithe. And so God is talking to the, these folks in the Old Testament, and it says these words in Malachi 3.10. God lays down the gauntlet. He says these words. Uh, if we put it up on the screen so you can read it. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, it literally meant like, in those days when you brought your, your grain or your livestock, it was meant to meet the needs of the people in the neighborhood, in the community. That's what it was. No, they didn't put it like on a catapult and shoot it up to heaven, right? It was meant to stay right there with the people of God, being used to meet those needs. God says these words. Look at this, Malachi 3.10. Test me in this. Now, when God says, test me in this, you should pay attention. When a perfect almighty God says, you put me to the test on this, if you're doubting my goodness, if you're doubting my love for you, if you're doubting how I can provide for you, you test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. What a beautiful promise to the people of God, to this church, to you and I as individuals. God says, you test me on this. You give to me. You trust me. You give back your first and best, whatever that percentage is. Look, it doesn't have to be to this church. It could be to some other organization that you believe is doing the work of God. But you test me in this. You test me in this. And just see if I don't bless your life in ways that are real and transformative. Just see if I don't. You put me to the test in this. And so what we thought would be pretty cool is to actually take God up at his word and take him up at the challenge. And so we're going to put God to the test. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they do, I want to ask you to do something. If you would, there's a piece of paper in the seat back in front of you. Would you grab that? Go ahead and grab that. And on there, it says 90-day giving challenge. And this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you right now to consider, would you consider taking God up in his word and giving as a response to gratitude to him a percentage that you determine in your heart, you deliberately determine in your heart that you want to give to God? And if you're serious about it, would you be consistent to do it for the next 90 days? For the next 90 days. Now, here's the deal. You get to the end of the 90 days, and you're like, I gave to God. I didn't see anything change in my life. In fact, it got worse. <laughs> did nothing happen. Here's what we say. Great. If you do that, fantastic. All bets are off. You don't have to give anymore. Right? We, we trust God. We believe that he's going to work in your heart in ways that go far beyond a piece of paper in a 90-day challenge. But our hunches, what we've seen in our own lives, what we've seen taught throughout Scripture, is you are going to see God bless you in ways, again, may not be financial, direct, you give to Him. That's not how it works. He's going to grow your perspective, though. He's going to grow your heart. You're going to become more aware of your dependence on Him. You're going to become more aware of His provision in your life. You test God in this and see what it would look like for you for 90 days to give to God. And maybe you're a tipper. This is a great challenge for you. To say, you know what, I'm not just going to throw whatever I have in my pocket into the bucket. I'm going to deliberately determine, whether it's online or a check that I write, I'm going to actually deliberately determine to give to God. 
if you're a giver, what it may mean for you is you say, you know what? I've kind of camped out and I've learned how to actually get comfortable at this percentage. God, I actually want to put you to test this. I'm going to up it a percentage. I'm going to up a little bit more. I want to do that, God, because I actually want to release the control that money has in my life and say thank you in ways that are more challenging and provide more opportunities for growth for me. If you're a gripper, this may be one of the hardest things you've ever done. But it actually also may be one of the best. And it may release and open your heart in ways that nothing ever has before. And you find yourself broken and open before God and dependent on God like never before. So we're really serious about this. We'd love for you to take the 90-day challenge. And in a minute, we're going to receive our offering. We're going to give back to God as we regularly do here at this church. So if you came ready to do that, joyfully to give back to God, we're going to do that in a second after I pray. You can actually drop this piece of paper in there. Tear off the bottom section because on there are some next steps for you to actually put this feeling and not just kind of fail or fumble on it, but to actually act on it so you can do that. We're going to help you as best we can to really do this 90-day challenge. We're going to do it together. So I'd encourage you to drop that in the offering bucket as it does. As you are writing that out, filling that out, I want to read to you a card that came to our church this last week from some people who don't even go to our church. And I think this is, this is what it sort of looks like down the road as you and I commit ourselves to saying thank you to God with our resources. These folks wrote, uh, they said, hi, Jarrett and Jeannie, but they, it, listen, it, it should have been and could have been all of our names. We want to thank you for how you've listened to God's promptings and used your gifts towards furthering his kingdom. We've seen our kids be inspired to serve and grow as a result of your ministry. What they're doing right now is thanking God for those of you who've thanked God through your giving. We've seen our kids grow as a result of your ministry. Each time we visited, we've seen and we know how. So enclosed is a check that we would like to give to you to use to whatever you believe would best further the ministry of your church. And out of that envelope fell a very large check from a couple people who don't even go to our church. But they see what God is doing and they want to respond to it. And they have been so freed up in their hearts and in their resources that they can give to God in such a significant way. And you know what's so beautiful? The second we received that, we instantly just cried out to God and prayed and thanked God for that gift. And our hearts were flooded with every single one of you at this church who gives as a sacrifice to God. And the dollar amount may be totally different. There may be way more, way less zeros. But when it comes from a heart that says, no, God, I want to surrender fully to you, that gift is so significant. It matters to God, and it matters to the work of this church. And so we want to invite you into that opportunity to do that with us together. I want to pray for you, for us, that we're going to spend a few moments just thanking God for his goodness and worshiping him through our gifts and through our songs. Let's pray together right now. God, thank you so much for how good you are. And I, I can't even, there just aren't even enough words, God, to thank you for how good you have been, how good you are, how good you will be. Thank you, God, that every good and perfect gift comes from you, our Father of heavenly lights, who literally showers down your blessing on us who surrounds us with your goodness and your blessing, if we would have eyes to see, hearts to respond. God, I pray in this moment that no one would give out of reluctance 
or out of compulsion, but out of a response of gratitude to you that would so move them, that it would so move you, God, that it would actually move others as we respond in gratitude to you. God, I love and I know that you're going to work on our hearts and grow us in ways that we could never, ever, ever grow on our own. So we thank you for this opportunity to do that. We count it as another gift from you, God, that you are using to shape us into who you created us to be. God, be blessed right now. Be blessed as your children say yes to you and respond to your goodness with our whole heart. We pray in your name. Amen.